book is so awesome. I can do anything. This book is so awesome. I am the potions king. Did you hear that half blood prince? I said I was the king. Can you hear me, Professor Snape? I can make anything. This book is so awesome. Hi, my name's Joel Watson. My name's Lily Watson. And you're listening to Potter and Daughter, the Harry Potter podcast, where I talk to my seven-year-old daughter as she reads through the Harry Potter book series. I want to thank Harry and the Potters, the band, for letting us use their song, This Book is So Awesome, as our theme song. You can get that on their Bandcamp, harryandthepotters.bandcamp.com, off their album, The Power of Love. Uh, If you ever wanted to hear ten or so albums inspired by... The Harry Potter book series, uh, they're a lot of fun, and I strongly suggest checking them out. So listen, we we finished our last episode. Uh, We thought we would get halfway through book one, and we only made it about a third of the way through because there was a lot to talk about. And we uh, finished on the journey, chapter six, the journey from platform nine and three quarters. Yes, we did. And right at the end, everybody was uh, coming to Hogwarts on the boats. And uh, getting ready for the Sorting Hat Ceremony. The Sorting Hat, um, to be honest, um, in my opinion, it's my favorite part of the book. Why? It just seems very interesting to know which which house every first year is getting put in. Do you think it tells you a lot about the characters? I think it really does. Because each house has its own kind of technique. Like, um, like... Gryffindor is like the bravest. Mm-hmm. Ravenclaw is the smartest. Hufflepuff is the hardest workers, sort of. Mm-hmm. And Slytherin is. Mm, hmm. Slytherin is kind of hard. The the kind way to put it is they're the most ambitious. Do you know what that means? No, I don't. Ambition is where you uh, have very a very strong sense of goals where you know what you want and you'll stop at nothing to get it. And so ambition can be a very good quality. And it can also be very bad. And in their case, more often than not, it seems like a bad quality. It seems like the, uh, the typical Slytherin student ranges from just a jerk to someone who's completely evil. Pretty much. And so, you know, <laughs> they're, uh, they're sort of pegged as bad guys, but for good reason. So... They uh, they go into the, the, the Great Hall. Well, first of all, they enter Hogwarts, and Harry can't believe the, the size of the place. It's uh, He says he says the, the Dursley's whole house would fit in the entry hall, and he can't even see the ceiling, right? Mm-hmm. So it's huge. Um, but there's only about 10 first years in every, cl- in every house. There's only about 40 new students, and then there's somewhere between... 300 and 700 additional students. It's sort of vague. There, I think at one point the author says there's about a thousand students at Hogwarts, which would mean that the first year class is very small. Uh, only only 40 or, so, 40 or so students and then a few hundred in every other year. So, uh, so it's the biggest thing he's ever seen. He's not prepared for all this. Um, they sit down at the, uh, tables of the great hall and one by one McGonagall reads off her list and calls the, uh, every first year to get sorted. So tell me about, uh, Harry's sorting experience. Well, um, at first the sorting hat says this is very hard to choose. Well, hang on. Do you remember what happens when she calls his name? Um, actually, no, I don't. The whole place gets sort of hushed whispers. Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Harry Potter. The Harry Potter? Oh, oh, they're, oh, yeah, that's right. They keep, they keep saying all that kind of stuff because they didn't know that Harry Potter would be at that school. At that time, especially. That's, it's a name they've been hearing their whole lives. They all know the story of the Dark Lord. They know the story of the boy who lived but not everybody knew that he would be uh, in their presence. They might not have even realized how old he was at that point, that, that, that some of them were the same age as him. You know, he, he was a celebrity, even though he didn't know it. And so, uh, yeah, they're very excited, if not uh, maybe even confused or scared, to have Harry Potter in their midst. So what happens? 
Well, when Harry goes up to the sorting hat, when mm-hmm. he puts it on, um, it's so big it covers his eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way he can't see, he can only think mm-hmm. and hear the sorting hat. Um, and at first, the sorting hat thinks this is a very hard decision. And then he starts thinking maybe he should put Harry in Slytherin. But Harry yeah, he says something like, you would do great things in Slytherin. And then Harry says something like, he's sort of like in a whisper to try and only let the sorting hat hear. Um, some, something like, Please not Slytherin. Anything but Slytherin. Anything but Slytherin. Please not Slytherin. Now, at this point, the only thing Harry knows about Slytherin is what uh, his friends and what uh, Hagrid have told him. And he, he has no he has no knowledge of the wizarding world. He doesn't even know at this point. He might know. Hagrid might have told him that you know who was in Slytherin. But the only thing he knows about it is that Hagrid says every wizard that ever went bad... Was in, was Slytherin. in Slytherin. So he doesn't really have a, a lot of reason, but he's putting a lot of faith in what Hagrid said. But you'll notice he asks for anything but Slytherin, but he doesn't ask for Gryffindor. So he doesn't really seem to have a preference other than not Slytherin. Do you think he would have done well in the other houses? have done well in all the other houses. Well, let's think about it. It, it was Harry is Harry a particularly good student? Mm, kind of Not really. In between? I'd say he's about a medium student. Yeah. So he might not be Ravenclaw material. Not really. And considering how often he relies on Hermione to be the clever one, he would probably think that Hermione, we, you would probably think Hermione would be in Ravenclaw. Right. But he, he sort of needs her brain a lot of the time because <laughs> his own is, is not as clever as hers. Not really. Because so he, he probably wouldn't have been a great Ravenclaw. What about a Hufflepuff? Yeah, maybe because sometime, um, a lot of the time he's a very hard worker and that's a lot of what Hufflepuff, Hufflepuff is. But Hagrid also says they're duffers. Do you know what that means? No clue. Kind of lazy, kind of goofy. Okay, exactly the opposite. <laughs> so it's not really very hairy either. So I think in all honesty, his only two real choices were Slytherin and Gryffindor. And so, it, as the hat says, he might have been an okay Slytherin if he was a little bit more yes, evil. He, he said that... Um, Slytherin, Slytherin would help you along the way or something. Yeah. So, um, but, he, but, um, then it says, if you truly don't want Slytherin or something, then it better be Gryffindor! Yep. So he's a Gryffindor. The whole house goes nuts. I think they're pretty excited because he's definitely the most famous person there. And so even though they've never met him, no one's met him except for Ron and uh, Hermione. a little bit Hermione and uh, Malfoy. So, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty excited just, I think, to have a famous name on their side. And everyone else, obviously, Ron gets sorted into Gryffindor, which seems a little weird. Kind of. He seems more like a Hufflepuff. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Hermione seems more like a Ravenclaw. So maybe the hat knew... That the three of them needed to be together. Probably. What do you think? Maybe, because the hat does have a mind of its own, so. Yeah. And then they uh, they have the feast. Do you remember anything particular about the feast? Uh, how, does, how does the food show up? Oh, yeah. Um, I was about to say, um, like, all the first years are very sort of confused and amazed at the same time mm-hmm. because of what um because it it if the food just like um magically appears on their plates mm-hmm. which it does that then that it's kind of weird and cool 
and kind of confusing mm-hmm. all at the same time. Now, have you have you read far enough in the books to know the rules about food in the Wizarding World? No. I don't think this is too much of a spoiler, but food cannot be created by magic. They actually have it can be cooked with magic, but it can't be created. So if you want a chicken, you still got to kill a chicken. And if you want cheese, you still got to milk a cow, and make cheese. Or a goat. Or a goat, that's true. <laughs> or a camel. So they uh so the food appears by magic, but it turns out later on that that the food is actually being prepared and it's just being sort of apparated in front of them. But uh, that that's it's one of the big uh, rules of, of wizardhood is that you can't just create food. Mm. So, um, they also meet a ghost during the feast. Mm. Remember who that is? Uh, I can't remember. Um, is it nearly headless Nick? It is Sir Nicholas de Mimsy Porpington. He's the resident ghost of Gryffindor Tower, and he goes by Nearly Headless Nick. Why is he called that? Because um, Nick is short for Nicholas. <laughs> well, that's, yes. <laughs> yes. That's, that's the, the least interesting I part of his that. name. <laughs> I know. Getting to that. Okay, so what is it? Um, okay, so um, Nick is short for Nicholas, and um, they, call, they call him Nearly Headless because he literally is nearly headless. He he got killed on Halloween, but um but but his head didn't come all the way off. Right. So it's so he can sort of pull his head halfway off. Yeah, um sometimes he do um does that in replace of a hat. Yeah. <laughs> pretty gross. Uh so then they're having their feast and the teachers are all sitting at the uh big table at the front of the hall. And Harry looks over and he sees Professor Quirrell, who is the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Yes. Kind of a meek and uh, sort of nervous-looking dude yeah, with a turban. shaky. Yeah. And he's sitting next to Professor Snape, who Harry has not met yet, I believe, but he knows that Snape is the head of Slytherin House. And uh, Snape looks over past Professor Quirrell to Harry. And what happens to Harry? Do you remember? No. Makes his scar hurt. Oh, right. So he thinks there's some connection between Snape and his scar and maybe Voldemort and evil. Or that at least uh, Snape's up to no good if that makes his scar hurt, right? Mm Mm-hmm. How do they finish the feast? Um... Do they sing a song? I... Do you remember how they sing the Hogwarts school song? Oh, yeah. And do you remember what's weird about that? No. You don't remember what's weird about the Hogwarts school song? Mm-mm. Well, it has words, but it does not have a specific tune. And so their instructions are to sing it to any tune they like, all at the same time, any way they want to. Oh, yeah. And so they all sing something different. In the movies, they all sing the same song. And it's... Hogwarts, Hogwarts, Hoggy, Hoggy, Hogwarts, teach us something good, something like that. But in the in the book, they're all just doing Hogwarts, 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 yeah, Hogwarts, Hogwarts, Hoggy, Hoggy, Hogwarts, Hoggy, 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 yeah, just whatever for like five minutes straight, and it's crazy, and it's chaos, and I don't think they realize that that. It's sort of a joke that Dumbledore plays on the whole school because he enjoys silly chaos and it makes him laugh so much that he cries. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, then they go to bed and uh, there, there's four four post beds in the uh, once they go past the uh, the fat lady painting that they have to give the keyword to to get to uh, Gryffindor Tower to get to their dorms. And they, uh, they go to their beds, and Harry's exhausted. And do you remember what's interesting about Harry's bed? Compared to where he used to sleep? Um, no, I don't. It's the first bed he's ever had. It is? Yeah. 
I thought he had a bed under the stairs. Well, no, I mean, it's the first proper bed he's ever had. Oh. It's the first bed and the first real room, the first possessions he's ever had, the first things that were his. He's actually kind um, he, he's actually kind of like has his own privacy because there are curtains around each bed. Right. Well, he had privacy in the cupboard, too. I mean, he's tiny, but, but I, th- I think it's a different, it's a very different experience for him. It's something... He hasn't experienced before. That's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. And so... The other thing I wanted to mention, in case you didn't know, is there are Harry Potter conventions around the country and around the world where fans get together and sort of express their enthusiasm about Harry Potter. And one of the things they typically do is sing the Hogwarts school song in the way they're supposed to sing it which is all different crazy ways all at the same time. Uh, So they have several hundred, maybe several thousand people all singing different tunes to the Hogwarts school song. (laughs) (laughs) It says in the book that it's the Weasley twins that finished the last singing a funeral dirge. Hogwarts, Hogwarts. (laughs) And uh, so anyway, they pass out. They uh, they get in their beds. Everything's been crazy, and they go to sleep. Right. Yes. Another thing that's kind of interesting is that uh, Harry met Neville at the uh, at the feast, and Neville mentions that his parents were scared that he wouldn't be magical enough to go to Hogwarts. What do we know about Neville so far? Almost nothing. Except that he's, he's kind of nervous, too, right? Mm. And every time he tries to do... I don't know if he's done any spells yet, but every time he tries to do a spell, it kind of backfires, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe Neville wasn't the uh, the most magical when he was at home. I think he's... Go- um, I think from what I remember is that he's the worst in potions. Yeah, he, in a lot of ways, he's kind of the worst in, in a lot of stuff. Uh, he's he's a good kid, but he's he's doesn't. It takes him a long time to get a handle on on magic. He doesn't uh, he doesn't remember spells very well, and he doesn't execute them very well. What does execute? Um, perform, do. Mm. Execute can mean two things. I mean, it can mean a lot of things, actually. Mm. So then, uh, our next chapter, the potions master. You having trouble with your glasses there? Yeah, I just needed to clean them. Okay, I can do a glasses cleaning spell for you later. (laughs) So, Harry goes to uh, his first week of classes. He meets Professor Flitwick, the charms teacher. I think we talked about him. Since we're recording these kind of out of order, I'm having a hard time remembering what we've talked about and what we haven't. But I know we've talked briefly, at least in a future episode, about Professor Flitwick. Uh, What is unique about Professor Flitwick? He's very tiny. Very tiny. He stands on a stack of books to teach his class. He's about as small as maybe a five-year-old. He seems pretty tiny. And uh, and we also meet Professor Quirrell. And he uh, he stutters. And he mumbles. He doesn't seem very confident. Not really. But he's supposed to be teaching these kids how to defend themselves against the dark arts. Does that seem like a good choice for a teacher? For him, probably not. He, he doesn't, it, it wouldn't matter if he was, you know, nervous and mumbly, but he also doesn't seem to know very much about defense against the dark arts. So he, he has a bit of trouble. Um, he mentions that his turban was given to him by an African prince as a thank you for getting rid of a troublesome zombie. And no one believed him. No thoughts on that? <laughs> um, personally, I wouldn't believe him either because that seems sort of like, like a crazed story that almost no one would believe unless they were really there. Like a tall tale? Yes. So then they have potions class with Professor Snape. And uh, Snape's taking the roll call and he gets to Harry Potter. And he says, ah, uh, yes... Harry Potter, our new celebrity. I think he already knows that Harry's going to be trouble. Well, why would he, why is Harry going to be trouble? Why do you think Snape would think he's trouble? Well, 
everyone else thinks he's probably going to be great. What what's Snape's problem? He just particularly doesn't like any house at all, except for maybe Slytherin two out of ten. What's two out of ten mean? I mean, like, he only likes Slytherin, like, barely at all. And oh, I think he, he likes, likes Slytherin. That's his house. But... I think he likes them a lot. Oh. I think it has less to do with the houses and more to do with what he thinks, how he thinks Harry's going to act. He thinks that because everyone knows Harry's famous, he thinks Harry knows that Harry's famous. And Harry has no idea. Right? Oh, right. Um, right. I, I keep forgetting that um, nobody's told him that he's famous yet. Yeah, he's sort of hearing it as he, as he you know, moves through the day, but he's not, uh, he's not really aware of the fact that his story is one of the biggest legends of the wizarding world. He's kind of like... He's kind of thinking that... Why is everybody saying that I'm the greatest person in the world or right. whatever? So Snape is treating him like Harry acts like he's the greatest person in the world, but he's never really acted like that. He's not even familiar with that concept. And he challenges him. Do you remember at the beginning of the class? He says, Potter, what would I get if I added powdered root, root of asphodel to an infusion of wormwood? And he's like, I don't know. Um, and then he tests him like two or three more times. And he keeps asking him more, more and more questions. But he's, but Harry, but he doesn't know that Harry is very new to all this wizarding stuff. Who knows the answers? Hermione. Yeah, she's raising her hand. She's freaking she out. Just, oh, 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 Likes knowing all the answers and likes showing off her knowledge. Kind of a know-it-all. It, kind of. But it was very hard for her to know that she knew the answers and, and not be able to tell them. Pretty much. So he, she, so she gives the answers. Or Harry, no, actually Harry says something like, why don't you let her answer? Because obviously she knows. And he says, and a point will be taken from Gryffindor House for your cheek, Potter. Because he thinks Harry is... Just giving him attitude for no reason. Mm. But I guess he assumes... He, Snape knows that Harry was uh, raised by muggles, but I guess he assumes that Harry should know more about his life than he does. So at some point, and I, I don't remember exactly how this comes about, but they do go visit Hagrid at his house. Do you remember anything about Hagrid's house? It's kind of like a run, a one-room shack, just for for one person. Maybe even nothing because it's very small. It's like maybe about the size of the room that we're in right now. Yeah, maybe ten by ten, eight by ten, something like that. And it's also not uh, in the castle. Where is it? It's at the very edge of the of the. Pr- Forbidden Forest. That's right. It's at the edge of the Hogwarts grounds, and it's uh, very near the Forbidden Forest. At the, it's um, very near the limit of where they can go. Which is something Dumbledore warns them about during the first feast, is uh, not to go anywhere near the Forbidden Forest. And so Hagrid's over there. Uh, Harry and Ron have a bit of a conversation with him. He offers them treats that they don't really like. Uh, they call them rock cakes. Which I don't know if that means they have rocks in them or they're just heavy like rocks. But they, either way, or, they sound gross. Or they're as hard as rocks. Yeah, maybe so. And so they don't eat them. They just kind of stuff their pockets with them and go on about their way. But Hagrid mentions that something was stolen from Gringotts Bank. And I believe this is where he lets slip that it was in the same vault that he visited when he and Harry went there to get Harry's money. Remember that? Mm-hmm. So Hagrid took something out of the out of the vault. Then the vault was robbed. So what do you think they were looking for? Who was looking for? Whoever robbed the vault. Um, probably something very about valuable. Well, probably the thing that Hagrid took out the day before. But how would they 
Um, but wait, how would that person get the thing that Hagrid took out? They didn't. They oh. broke into the vault, but they I shouldn't say robbed. Anything. They broke in, but they, but didn't, they didn't get it. Right, it was already gone. So they were looking for whatever Hagrid took out, which Hagrid said was Hogwarts business. And we're and they, just for Dumbledore. And they're not allowed to look. Yeah, he didn't tell anybody what it was. I don't remember if this is the point where he, because you know Hagrid always says too much. And he sort of spoils and a I, lot. Yeah, I think this might be the point where he mentions something like you know, and you shouldn't be asking about the Sorcerer's Stone. And they're like, the what? And he's like, I think that's this point. It might be a different point. Um, they're like, the what? And then he realizes, oh, I've said too much. Right. And he, he does that a few times. Um, another thing that's interesting to point out is they, they meet a professor named Benz. Remember Professor Benz? No, I don't. Professor Benz is the history of magic professor who is also a ghost. And his, his deal was that he died, didn't realize it, and just came back to school and kept teaching. You don't remember him? Um, is he the teacher that um, everyone is, um, like, is this the class where everyone is super bored because he teaches very boring? I think you are correct, yes. Because I, I think in one book, um, this won't be a spoiler, the only part um, of the day that is interesting in his class is... At the beginning of class when he flies through the blackboard. Right, right, right. Yeah, he, I think he's the very boring teacher. I, I just think it's very weird that, uh, you know, he was teaching class alive one day. And, like... He died, but, and he showed up the next day. But why doesn't anybody tell him? Yeah, so that's a, that's a very unusual circumstance. I would think for the kids especially, they they find out their teacher's dead, and then he's still there teaching the next day. Very weird. Also... It's worth pointing out that every time any of the kids, even the magical kids that have grown up with this stuff their whole life, whenever they encounter a ghost, they think it's weird. Which means even though there are a lot of ghosts around Hogwarts, there must not be a lot of ghosts out in the world in general. Yeah. So they don't really get into what makes a ghost and what doesn't because most people that die don't turn into ghosts in this book. So anywho. Uh, next chapter is the Midnight Duel. Harry goes out for his first flying lesson with Madame Hooch. And do you remember how that goes down? No, I don't. <laughs> it's been a while since we read these, huh? So, uh, he goes out for his flying lesson with Madame Hooch. And, uh, they, the, the brooms are all laid out. And they're supposed to hold their hand out and say, up! And the broom comes to them. Yes, this, now I remember this part. I thought this was a different book, but then I realized, oh, this is the their first flying lesson. Right, so what happens here? Um, um, they have to stick their hand out right directly in front of their broom and mm-hmm. say up, and hopefully... It, um, the spell will will work, and their brooms will fly up to their hand. Mm-hmm. And it works pretty well for Harry. Mm-hmm. Works pretty well for Draco. Who, who is also Malfoy. Right. Who, who has a hard time. Um, I think it's Neville. Neville has a hard time. Hermione has a hard time. And Ron. I think Ron gets it eventually, but Hermione never flies. She hates flying. She's not good with brooms. It's the only thing she's not good at, really, is brooms. Pretty much. So, Neville has got, I believe, it's his remember-all. Yes. That uh, you, it reminds you that you've forgotten something, but doesn't tell it, you what you've forgotten. When it turns red. And so, uh, Draco takes it, because Madame Hooch has to, let's see, someone gets hurt. Is it Neville? Neville gets hurt. He breaks his wrist. And then he has to go to the hospital wing. Madame Hooch takes him to the hospital wing. But Draco has already taken his remember-all. Which I don't remember when. I don't either. I guess we need to remember-all to find out why we've forgotten. (laughs) I was waiting. Okay. So, he takes it. Madame Hooch is gone. Neville's gone. 
Draco and uh, Harry get in a fight because Harry wants to get the remember all back. back for Neville. Yeah. Oh, but Madame Hooch says, stay exactly where you are. Don't move. Yeah. Anyone that flies is going to get in big trouble. Like expelled or something. Right. So Draco takes the remember all and takes off into the sky. And flies. Mm-hmm. Even though Madame Hooch said that was illegal. And then what happens? Harry uh, um, then flies up um, um, and, bro- and breaks the rule to try and get the Remember All back. Yeah, Harry, Harry follows the rules unless somebody's being unfair. And then he kind of doesn't care too much about the rules. That's called being very uh, impulsive, very impetuous. He's... Uh, He's sort of, I don't know, pig-headed is not a great word for it, but he's he's definitely uh, strong-willed. If he if he sees something that he needs to fix, he doesn't care about the rules, you know. And so he goes after Draco. What does Draco do with the remember all? Um, I think that he throws it off and um try, tries to break it. He throws it as far as he can, and he must. Enchant it in some way because it flies farther than a boy could throw a ball. And uh, Harry goes off after it. He sort of catches it and twists around on his broom. And uh, everyone's cheering for him. But who sees him through the window? It was one of the teachers or Dumbledore. It was McGonagall. McGonagall, right. So she sees him. And she is the strictest teacher at Hogwarts. So it seems like that was probably the worst person to see Harry, maybe other than Snape, right? I th- yeah, I think probably the best person to see him would be, like, Dumbledore. Yeah, he probably wouldn't care. So <laughs> McGonagall comes marching out, says, come with me, Potter. And he thinks he's in bad trouble, right? Uh-huh. But what happens instead? Instead, he um, she takes him to some office or something. She takes him to a classroom. Yes. And asks to see Wood. Um. Remember who Wood is? Yes, he is the captain of a of a Quidditch team. And by the way, um, this will be worth mentioning. Um. Um. First years are not allowed to play Quidditch. It's not that they're not allowed. It's just very uncommon. Um, in the book, they said they weren't allowed. Really? Yes. Okay. Well, I don't remember. In the movies, they say it doesn't normally happen. So uh, she says, can I have Wood, please? And Wood comes out and he says, I think I've found your seeker. Um, and also, um, Wood kind of goes the same kind of name type as Malfoy because they both go by their last name. Right. So, what is the captain of the Gryffindor Quidditch team? Instead of getting Harry in trouble, she... Uh, they actually give him a reward or something. Yeah, a pretty good reward. Because, like you said, her first year has probably never been the Gryffindor Seeker. In about a century or something. And so, Harry becomes the Seeker. We'll talk more about what that is. But it was because he caught that remember-all that she knew he would be good at that job. And at some point... I can't remember when, but he confronts Malfoy. What is confront? Uh, stands up to him uh, with sort of uh, anger. Mm. Um, and so he confronts Malfoy about him being such a jerk. And Malfoy challenges him to a wizard duel. Remember yes. that? So he says, I'll see you in the trophy room at midnight. When you are not allowed to be out of your dormitory. Yeah, they're supposed to be asleep. And... Uh, Hermione does not think that's a good idea. Do you remember what she says? Um, no, I don't remember what she says. She says, don't you care about Gryffindor? Do you you only care about yourselves? I don't want Slytherin to win the House Cup, and you'll lose all those points I got from Professor McGonagall. So she's worried about Harry getting caught, not really for his own safety, but more for... Him screwing up their chances of winning the House Cup. How? Um, did, did we mention that Hermione got points for Gryffindor? Uh, she got points in uh, McGonagall's class for knowing about uh, switching spells. And how many points was that? Yeah, it's usually f- between five and 50. I don't remember. Five. Probably five. So, uh, let's see. They end up... 
I think it's Neville, Ron, and Hermione end up sneaking through the corridor at midnight. Uh, what they don't know is that Draco had no intention of dueling Harry that night. Do you remember what he did instead? He just stayed in his dormitory and tricked Harry into getting out at midnight, and he tried to get him in trouble for no reason. He told Filch that somebody was going to be sneaking through the trophy room at midnight. He actually specifically said that it was Harry. So do you remember, uh, tell me about Filch. What's, what's he like? We, we, we've barely met him, but this is kind of where we get, a, get our first impression of Filch. He's our Hogwarts janitor, and... Um, he's kind of like Snape and kind of like McGonagall because he's very strict and kind of mean at the same time. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good description. He, he's very obsessed with the rules. He wants no rules to be broken ever. And, and, uh, and he doesn't seem to like children very much at all. Not really. And tell me about his cat. His cat, Mrs. Norris, um, um, Filch just lets her wander off at night, and um, Filch has taught her, um, Mrs. Norris, not to, um, like, to sort of be very, very, very strict and catch anybody who is doing something wrong, even the slightest thing. And he says, uh, he says, uh, sniff around, my sweet. They might be lurking in the corner. Mm-hmm. So he sends her off kind of like a, an attack dog to find people that are doing wrong. Kind of like a guard dog trying to catch somebody if they're like a police or something. So Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Neville are all sneaking through the corridors trying to get away from Filch and Mrs. Norris, I think they realize at this point that Draco is definitely not coming. Mm-hmm. And uh, they run. They hear they hear Filch. They run. They get to a locked door. And then Hermione steps in. Do you remember what she does? Uh, does she unlock the door? Um, yes, she does. Okay. Do you remember the spell to unlock doors? Um... Don't remember what what specifically you say, but I do know the spell you're talking about. It's Alohomora. Alohomora, yes. So she opens the door. Now the interesting thing about that spell is you can open any door. Seemingly. So but, what's the point? <laughs> like, if, uh, like, what's the point of locking doors if you can just get in them? Right. Or if children can get in them, for instance. Like if you. Maybe if you wanted to lock a door so only adults could get into it, then why would the most basic door opening spell Ever. work with a kid? They, they um. And they, then other stuff has keys. You pr- so you probably sh- should have locked that um like put an enchantment on it to not let anybody open it except grown-ups or something, because that is a very bad door you will not want to go in. Especially considering what's behind the door. So what is behind Mm. the door? Um, this is the point where we meet, um, the giant three-headed dog, Fluffy. Mm -hmm. Now, that is a very strange name for that dog, because it is the most vicious creature you... (laughs) Probably will ever meet. But it's Hagrid's pet. But it wasn't awake, right? It was asleep because music was playing. I think. Oh no, that's later. I'm jumping ahead. That's right. It was awake. That's right. They ran away from it. It's later that it's asleep. Yeah, you're jumping way ahead. Yeah, I'm jumping way too far ahead. Because that's like at the very or is, end. Or is he asleep this time? But they wake him up. He's not asleep because of the music. Anyway, I don't remember. But yes, he's a. He's a vicious, like, you know, eight-foot-tall, three-headed demon dog named and, Fluffy. And Hagrid calls him Fluffy, yes. So they, they get out of there. and they, they know that this is definitely bad news. And they, yes. go to, they, they get back to their rooms, go to sleep. I don't believe they get in any sort of trouble. They don't. And uh, our next chapter is Halloween. But wait. What? Um, we, we never found out what Harry did. What did he do? I don't remember. Um... They never said anything about him escaping or anything. They just said Neville, Ron, and Hermione. Oh, they did? Yes. 
well, I guess he got away. Because <laughs> he definitely lives another day, so <laughs> he must have gotten away. So the next chapter is Halloween. And uh, they're having a breakfast one day. And an owl comes in carrying a huge package. All the kids are excited. What happens with that package? Um, I, um, is this owl, um, Harry's? I don't remember. It's a male owl. Well, not, not a, not a man owl, but a post owl. Yes. Um, and all the owls come in and drop, drop the mail to the person they're supposed to get to. And then they fly out. Um, I think this is the point where somebody sends Harry a broom. Yeah, there's a big broom-shaped parcel. I should also point out that uh, Malfoy is uh, sort of aghast at the fact that uh, Harry and Ron haven't been expelled because he assumes that his plan would have gone off perfectly, and it, it did not. So they're all still at school. Nothing bad has happened to them. An owl drops off a big broom-shaped package, and lo and behold, inside it, is a broom, but not just a broom. It is the newest, fastest broom they have made um, yet. And what's and it called? Nimbus 2000. Nimbus 2000. This is one of the ones that he saw when he was getting his school supplies at uh, but he didn't Diagon Alley. It, but he didn't really know or care about it. Yeah, but there was kids crowded around it talking about it. Oh, it's the new Nimbus 2000. They were losing their minds over it. So it's definitely the best broom he could have at that point. And I'm not even sure if they ever explicitly say, but I'm pretty sure McGonagall sent it to him. So Ron, so Harry gets his Nimbus 2000. Ron's really impressed. He's never seen anything so awesome. And then they go for, uh, Harry goes for his sort of first Quidditch lesson, right? Yeah. With wood. But it's just a one-on-one thing. Do you remember what Wood tells him the, the basics of Quidditch are. Um, I think one of them is don't get hit off your broom. Well, let's, let's talk about the different types of balls. Do you remember what those are? One is called the quaffle. Mm-hmm. That's the um, scoring ball. Two are the bludgers. Those are the giant iron balls that try and knock you off your broom. <laughs> yes, and, um... The last ball and the most important ball mm-hmm. is the, is, um, what is it called again? Golden Snitch. Golden Snitch, yes. And so it's tiny and it flies around super fast. About two inches tall. And it's Harry's job as the seeker. To catch it and end the game and get Gryffindor 150 points. It's two, it's about two inches um, tall. It's very golden and sparkly, and it has angel wings. Yeah. So, it, fl- and it kind of flies as fast as a hummingbird. Right. So the the seeker the seeker spends the entire game looking for the golden snitch. If he catches the snitch, the game is over, and his team is awarded 150 points, and that usually means his team wins because it's unlikely that the other team would have scored. More than 150 points. That sometimes does happen. Has because, happened, sure. Because, like, sometimes one team will have, say, 60 points, and the other will have 50, and they, um, or something, and they score 150 points. Mm-hmm. And, but, they, but the other team still has 10 more points or something. Yeah, it, it, it's happened a few times, but it's not common. The, the, it turns out the only thing that the other points count for is when you're figuring out who won the championship. Like, the snitch ends a game and usually determines who wins the game, but the individual points scored during the match are, at, are figured out to determine who wins the overall championship uh, for the whole year. Yeah. So you could still win every game with the snitch and not necessarily be the champions, though it's unlikely. Very so uh, it's starting to get dark, and so they don't want to use the snitch right away. And so Wood starts throwing golf balls, and Harry starts chasing golf balls. And, and he has to catch them before they hit the ground or something. Yeah, and does he do good or bad? Pretty good. He does really good. He catches all the golf balls. So he's sort of a natural. And... uh 
at one point, I think it's McGonagall that tells him his father would be proud. Because if he why? were alive. Um, because he was secret um, on Gryffindor too. Yep. And it's the first time that Harry has a connection to his father. Um, he's never seen a picture of them because his, you know, aunt and uncle are evil. <laughs> and uh, much to him, yes. they don't want him to know anything about that. So he's never seen a picture of and them. His, and his cousin Dudley. He's never heard any stories about them. So the first time he ever feels like I have something in common with my father is, is when he them? realizes, yeah, that they that they both did the same job at Quidditch. And he sees a trophy uh, with his father's name on it, which means he was probably good at it, too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so just sort of to round out the Quidditch rules, the snitch is chased by the seeker. Only the seeker. The chasers... Are the ones that try and score with the quaffle, I believe. Yes, and um, there, um, some people have bats and try and hit. They knock the bludgers away from, or well, away from their chasers and possibly into the other team's chasers. Which sometimes they actually try to do. What are they? What are those guys called? The guys that. Have the bats and hit the bludgers. Uh, yeah. Are they called bludgers? No, because the balls are called bludgers. <laughs> beaters. They're called beaters. Beaters. So the beaters have the bats and they hit the bludgers. And they're sort of both offense and defense, meaning they are protecting their team from the, the bludgers. But they're also maybe shooting the bludgers at the other team. That, that's how Slytherin plays. They're kind of dirty. And so they're trying. They're, they specifically try to hurt the other team. Pretty much. How do you score a point? Do you remember? Um, you ha- you have to um put um put the quaffle into um into um your teen's um hoop. Yeah, there's three different hoops, three different rings, and who guards the rings? Uh, no, that's what I don't remember. The keeper. The keeper. I think Wood is the keeper, if I'm not mistaken. I think he is. Yeah, I think he's a keeper. So uh, so later on, they're in class, and uh, they're doing a flotation charm. Do you remember what that, how that goes? Um, I think they're trying to like lift a feather or something. Yeah, but do you remember the charm, what it is? No. Wingardium Leviosa. Wingardium Leviosa, yes. I keep forgetting every single spell. So, uh, who's good at that? Who's bad at it? I think that I would I would guess that Hermione would be good at it. Yeah, Ron's really bad at it. And Hermione mm-hmm. says, you just do it like this. Flick your wrist. Wingardium Leviosa. And hers floats away and does perfectly. And she probably gets even more points for Gryffindor. And uh, Ron is not impressed. Not at all. So do you remember what he does at that point? Um, They're walking away from class. They're sort of walking through the... I think this is the point... Um, You can finish. Well, I was just saying they're walking through... They're walking between buildings, and he, Ron thinks it's just him and Harry. And he's... Kind, si- kind of walking the class. Or yeah, something. and what, is, what does Ron say to Harry? Um, That she's kind of a know-it-all. That's why she doesn't have any friends. And... I think he said that too loud and she heard it. Mm-hmm. So she runs crying to the bathroom. Yeah, and she goes to one of the boys' bathrooms that uh, I think is one of the ones that people don't use that often. And no, so that's the girls' bathroom, I think. I think she ends up in the wrong bathroom, but I don't remember. Huh. So anyway, uh, so she doesn't come to dinner. They're having dinner. And uh, Professor Quirrell busts in. And what does he tell everybody? He's um, panicked. Is this have something to do with you know who? No, this is when Quirrell busts in and says, "Troll, troll in the dungeon." Oh, yes, the troll. So, uh, so they realize that the bathroom that Hermione has been holed up in all day is in the dungeons, and that she's in danger. So they evacuate all the students, tell them to go back to their rooms. But Harry and Ron realize that what? Hermione is. Near the troll and probably doesn't realize it. In, in trouble, so um, w- um, so when they um, 
when when they're in the big rushing crowd, they um, like get off the building or something and go onto the field, and then escape to the room that Hermione is in and try and save her from the troll. Yep. So you've got what? Well, first of all, what's a troll look like? Do you remember? No, I don't. It's probably about 15 feet tall. Pretty much, yeah. It's huge. It has a huge bat. It's a huge bat. It's got a big dumb head. <laughs> it's got a big giant teeth, claws. Pretty much big dumb everything. Yeah, it's it's also pretty big and dumb. <laughs> and uh, it's just smashing. It doesn't know any, what it's doing. It's just, it doesn't know what it's smashing. It wants just, to smash everything. Just doing it. Doesn't care what he's hitting. So it would probably smash Hermione without probably. even realizing it. Yep. So she's hiding in one of the stalls. Harry and Ron run in, and they, they try to confuse it. They try and fight it. Uh, do you remember how they defeat it? I think they stick it um, stick its bat up its nose. If it's the same as the movie, they stick a wand up his nose. But then they, it's either- they use Wingardium Leviosa to levitate his bat. And then his bat falls on his head, knocks him out. Oh, wait. Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> I know that that's what happens in the movie. I don't remember if that's what happens in the book. Yes, a lot of the time, movies are different than the books. So from that point on, uh, they, they've sort of made a bond of friendship now. The, Hermione's their friend. They've saved her life. They got her in trouble. It was their fault anyway. But, but now they're all good friends. Mm-hmm. And they're probably the only first years who've ever defeated a troll. Yeah. And so they did... Uh, Something that most people, you know, have never done. Even adults, right? Yeah. I think that's kind of the uh, beginning of, that's really their first death-defying adventure, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Which they seem to get into about ten times a year from here on out. But this is the first time they do something where they very easily could have been killed. And they're just kids. And somehow they get away undamaged, right? Uh-huh. So, then they go to our next chapter, which is Quidditch. This is Harry's first Quidditch game. And, uh, let's see, before that game, Harry, Ron, and Hermione, they encounter Snape in the hall. And he's acting kind of strangely. Do you remember what's wrong with him? Um, no, I don't. He's limping when he walks. Oh, yeah. Looks like he's been hurt very badly. And Harry goes to, I think, the teacher's lounge or something. He does. And he opens the door. Just a crack. And he sees, I want to say maybe Filch. Somebody is tending it's, to Snape. It's, I think it's either Filch or Quirrell. Somebody. And what's wrong with Snape's leg? Um, it, um, it got cut very badly. It's, um, there's blood running down his leg and, um, somebody's trying to, clean it up and put a bandage on it or something. And he even mentions that it was from trying to get past the three-headed dog. Uh-huh. So he's not even keeping that a secret from whoever he's talking to. So Harry assumes whatever the dog's guarding must be very important. Well, and Snape is trying to steal it. So that's the first time that Snape think that Harry thinks Snape isn't just mean. He's, he's actually a bad guy. Kind of crook. Yeah, he's maybe he's the one that broke into Gringotts. Maybe. Maybe they're. Uh, maybe he's working for you know who, trying to steal whatever the important thing, thing is. Thing is. So knowing that, they go and play their first Quidditch game. Uh, this is where we sort of learn uh, that, uh, like the Slytherin captain Marcus Flint, he's a sixth year, and uh, that Slytherin plays kind of dirty. They're fouling. Do you know what fouling is? No. Fouling is when you like hit someone on the other team, when you knock them off their broom or you fly into them for no reason, just trying to hurt them on purpose. It, but you also don't want to do that because that gives um, the other team penalty. Right. It means they get to take a free shot. But Slytherin doesn't seem to care. They just kind of want to cause as much damage as possible and hope that they win. And they, and they kind of just... Want to hurt everybody, make them go to the hospital yeah, for no reason. Jerks. So, <laughs> so there's 15 people flying around like crazy. No one seems to notice that Harry's broom is just going higher and higher and higher and higher. For no reason. And he's out of his control, but no one realizes that Harry's not in control of his broom. And then starts to try and shake him off. 
right? Yes. So then what happens? Um, he, he starts to fall off, and I think um, this is the point where somebody notices that Snape is mumbling something. It's Hermione. And doing something with his wand. Yeah, Hermione notices that Snape has got his wand sort of down low, and he's twirling it, and he's saying a spell under his breath, and they're like, oh, Snape is the one enchanting Harry's broom. we got to stop him. So what does Hermione do to stop him? He, um... I think she, like, sneaks over to where Snape um, is sitting and puts his cloak on fire. Yeah, she says a spell, like an incendio spell or something. Uh-huh. Sets his cloak on fire, and he freaks out, and he falls on Professor Coral. And uh, they're both trying to put his cape out. And then Harry's broom, all of a sudden, is acting normally, and it's under his control. And then he catches the snitch and wins the game. And... We don't know why it just suddenly went back to normal when he f- when Snape fell on Quirrell. Well, they assume it's because Snape was the one doing the enchantment. Yeah. And they broke his concentration. But that could change. That could very well change. You're right. As someone, as two people who have read the book, I think we both know it does change. Yes. But, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. So, <laughs> so, uh... This is so the, the big things that have happened in this part of the book is that instead of just assuming that Snape is a mean teacher, we seem to be uh, deciding that he's the villain of the story, right? Mm-hmm. What what's what is uh what are the what's the evidence against him at this point? Mm, kind of that he hardly likes anybody but um, but Slytherin and himself. Well, that just makes him mean. What makes him the villain? What makes him possibly the 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 bad guy of the story? Well, like we talked about the Quidditch game, um, when when we said that um, he was mumbling something under his breath and doing something with his wand, that um, that we're you're thinking that maybe that he's the villain because. That could be a spell to make him try and fall off his broom. And what about his leg? Um, it he tried. Um, once he w- was trying to get past the three-headed dog, um, he, um, he got cut very bad, and he didn't even. Want to keep it a secret. Right, so all of those things add up to uh, maybe he's not just a mean guy. Maybe he's trying to steal something from Dumbledore. Maybe he's trying to get Harry killed. And, uh, you know, he's got some uh, some uh, villainous designs for our, for our whole group of friends here, as opposed to just being uh, an unkind teacher. He might actually be, because, you know, every every story like this has to have a villain. Yeah. And Voldemort's not in the picture anymore, so... Uh, everyone just assumes, you know, mean guy That's seems Snape. to have plans. Snape's got to be it, right? Bad day. He's a bad guy. Um, the other thing that is interesting to point out is that Harry uh, Harry wins the first Quidditch game by catching the snitch. And there's only one snitch per game. And they, they retired them afterwards. Do you know why? What do you mean retire? They never use a snitch for two games. They only use it for one game. What? Because when you touch a snitch, it remembers who touched it first. So that way, if there is a Quidditch match where uh, two people seem to touch the snitch at the same time, the snitch can decide who actually won because it knows exactly who touched it first. But because of that spell, they can't use it twice. It sort of shuts down after it, uh, after it uh, you know, has someone touch it for the first time. It, it, um, it's kind of like it's living for a game and then it's dead and then it lives again. Kind of. like I think they can fly around, but you can't play a game with them anymore. So that's something important to remember for later on, that Harry's first snitch uh, from this first game can never be used for a game ever again. They didn't really tell us that in any of the books so far. They do eventually, and I think they mention in this... I think they mention in this book that snitches are only used once. Not that I remember of. They also mention at some point that snitches are derived from 
an older version of Quidditch where it's called like the Snidge, Sniglet or the Snidlet. You ever heard that? No. I don't remember where I got that from, but that's definitely something from somewhere. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm 90% sure I didn't make that up. That there is there is something called a, a Snidglet or a Sniglet. Or possibly I made that up. I'm not sure. So uh, when, we get, when, we, when we come back... On our next episode, we're going to talk about uh, the Enchanted Mirror and finish out book one. The uh, The next chapter is The Mirror of Erised. Mm-hmm. And that's our... our uh, ending for this show. <laughs> yes, that's our ending for this episode. Uh, so if you enjoy Potter and Daughter, please check out our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash Sue. Uh, feel free to check out the comics at hijinksandsue.com. For Potter and Daughter, I'm Joel Watson. And I'm Lily Watson. What do you think? Good episode? Yeah. Great episode. Pow, we did it. This book is so awesome.